0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of She Rises. I'm your host, Giovanna Capoza. And I'm so excited to bring you today's guests. I am a super fan girl and I have been for some time now. I want to introduce you all to Gay and Katie Hendricks. They have been pioneers in the field of body intelligence and relationship transformation for more than 40 years. They've mastered ways to translate powerful concepts and life skills into experiential processes where people can discover their own body intelligence and easily integrate life-changing skills. Katie and Gay have empowered hundreds of coaches around the world to add body intelligence perspective to enhance fields from medicine to sports psychology, education, personal growth, and more. Together and singly, they have authored more than 40 books, including such bestsellers as Conscious Loving, The Big Leap, conscious loving ever after, how to create thriving relationships at midlife and beyond, and the joy of genius. They have appeared on more than 500 television and radio programs, including Oprah, 48 Hours, and others. And guys, they're on She Rises today. How cool is that? I'm totally geeking out on this and yes, you're going to hear me be a total fangirl during this interview. If you want to find out more about the Hendrixes, they can be located at the Hendrix or excuse me, Hendrix.com. Um, and that's where you'll find out more about the Hendrix Institute and all the wonderful, wonderful things that you, um, can benefit from that they do. Like I said, I have been a fan for many, many years. These, um, these two are changing lives and I just have to Just geek out for a minute because they're on the show. Um, And I'm really, really, really excited. You can catch this interview on iTunes as always and Google Play Music and Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher and more. And now on YouTube. So if you want to check out the video of this interview, head on over to my YouTube channel. The link will be in the show notes and you can watch the interview with Gay and Katie Hendricks. Without further ado, guys, welcome to the show and enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to She Rises. This is our first ever video interview, so I'm really, really excited. Um, And as I mentioned to our guests, I've been geeking out all morning and just being a total fangirl. Uh, Welcome to the show, uh, Gay and Katie Hendricks. (laughs) (laughs) Thank
1: you so much.
2: Thank you, it's great to be with you.
0: Yeah, you're like personal development rock stars to me, so, you know, that's right, just, that's right. just that's right. own it, just own it. Um, I, I'm absolutely thrilled, like I said before we started recording, I know you guys are busy and you have a lot on the go, and to take the time to be here with me and us today is just, I'm beyond grateful, thank
1: you. Oh, thank you. you. And also, I just want to say to you that we don't operate in that world of that we're busy. So when people say to us, I know uh, you're busy, I say, hmm, how, how do you Are know we? that? Because
2: so uh, we, 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 consider, choose. we consider being in a hurry an impending <laughs> sign of mental illness.
0: <laughs> oh, thank you for saying it. I'm going to like write that on my wall in Sharpie. Yeah, and yeah, you're, you choose to be busy or not, and I love that. Well,
1: we choose how we use our time. Yeah, we, so we do busy, a lot of things. We but. do a lot of things, but we do them because we choose And we do them in a way that supports our own aliveness and allows us to choose where we're putting our focus. And that's a lot of what the body intelligence allows you to do is Mm. to assess, oh, okay, I'm I'm present, here's where I'm giving my attention, and I'm fully engaged, and that's so efficient rather than, oh, I'm too busy, what did you say? And you know that I'm never quite where I... Where I am. So I just wanted to jump that. right in there because that's a context that so many people have that creates stress for them, and we don't need to operate that way.
0: I, I love that I repeated that word and that that came into what's being recorded because we, we do, and I'm guilty of that. It's like you're, and sometimes when I'm not even busy, like physically, I'm busy up here like, and it it does, it takes away from your presence. It takes away from, um, really just feeling into what you want to do. And I love that you said intentionally. So that even means more to me that you're intentionally choosing to be here. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, so I, I wanted to dive into the topic for today, which is probably my favorite topic, which is creating conscious relationship, and being present and and, being, and creating intention is, is how, part of how we do it. And I, I wanted to dive into that, because you guys have been doing this for a long time. You did it, you know you wrote books separately, I and mean, you've written books together, you teach this, um, you know, for as long as I've been alive, and I've been one of the people that benefited from it. So I was just reading that you've been doing it for 40 years. And I thought, I'm 44 this year. I was like, wow, thank God I was born into this day and age where Mm -hmm. this information is out there. So um, I I started reading books about relationships when I was 19, which I don't think a lot of my Gen X contemporaries were doing. Mm -hmm. And the reason I did it is because my parents had a horrible relationship. And I, I knew that it was a value for me. I I entered my first relationship and screwed it up, right, as they say. And I just thought, I don't know how to do this thing. So I guess my first curiosity is, do you notice a difference over these years, these 40 years? Have you noticed a difference between like a generational difference in terms of the, the struggles or mm. the challenges that we face? Or mm. does it seem like we're kind of always challenged with the
1: same thing? Mm, That's a great question.
2: Good. Yeah. Well, it's a little bit of both, but we are basically challenged by the same things over and over again because human beings are wired from the beginning to have an urge to get close Mm -hmm. and an urge to get separate.
1: And also to have my own individual relationship to the world and then also be in unity.
2: And most of us come from the factory with gorilla glue. So we're glued in one direction. (laughs) You're You're either glued here or you're glued here. (laughs) So what what you have to do first is uh, find out where your glue has gotten you stuck. Like, Mm -hmm. are you stuck on the getting close, like I'm afraid of getting close? Mm -hmm. Or am I stuck on the, I'm afraid of being separate, independent on my own? And, you know, it's, if you, Tossed a pebble into a crowd, you'd hit one or the other. You know that those are only two problems that we have from the original standpoint. Now there are other variations that go along with that that are separate to different cultures. For example, Katie teaches a lot over in China and has found some significant relationship differences there that you wouldn't encounter in other places, for example. And so there are cultural differences for sure.
1: And my sense is too that in the in the in the life of our relationships as we're studying them as a culture, because this is actually the 30th anniversary this year of the publication of Conscious Loving. We published it. Congratulations! And it's been in continuous print since then. And I was just talking to a friend of mine from Europe this morning, and she was saying to me with her son. How valuable, who's 23, how valuable it is for her to keep in mind this balance between time together and solo time. Mm -hmm. That it's not just in romantic relationships, but that, that dynamic is really a dance that continues lifelong. And it responds to challenges in your own individual journey, challenges in your partnership, but also challenges in the culture. And I don't think, I, in my lifetime, I have not ever seen the culture challenged as much as it is now, both in terms of being able to actually connect with another person, but also in the very grounding of what's real. So if I don't know, if I'm not authentic and I don't show up as real, it's very hard to form any kind of relationship. And we have a, we have a cultural earthquake going on right now about what's real and so I think that our our body intelligence can be so helpful to us right now to really tune into is this do I have a yes what's my inner yes and what's my inner no and what are my body signals that I want to get close and what are my body signals that yeah I want some solo time now and I think those are universal No matter what's going on in the culture, that each of us can take responsibility for opening up to our own body wisdom and being able to know, oh, I've been having such a good time with you, but I'm feeling a little, you know, that kind of scratchy feeling that lets me know a little bit of solo time, maybe a a walk. I'm thinking, Mm. ah, and then that dynamic allows you to find your full presence to actually be able to connect.
0: Yeah. And just to even honor that and not to feel guilty that you want space from your partner. It's like, oh my God, what does that mean? Why, yeah. why, why do I feel that? Right, And just to honor that. And so let's dive into body intelligence a little bit because I had one of my very first mentors very early on say to me, you're living your life in the upper third of your body. <laughs> she was like, You need to come down. And I was like, I don't I don't know what you mean. Like I just I didn't get it in my twenties. I don't think I got it till my thirties. But I didn't understand that. And you brought up a very good point of not only understanding your body signals and then honoring them. So how can we use that? Like what talk to us a bit about body intelligence.
2: Well, one thing to know that wherever we go in the world, people have the same three big Feelings, emotions that they get stuck on trying to deal with in their relationships. One of them is a lot of people have difficulty dealing with the emotion of anger. Either they keep it inside and then blow it up at times, or they keep it inside and make themselves sick because mm-hmm. they keep it inside. A lot of people do that. And then some people explode with their anger in such a way that it causes inconvenience to people around them. And I bet you and I have both known lots of people in both of those categories that <laughs> you grew up in. I'm Italian. School.
0: I grew up in the bursting categories.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. I grew up in the kind of withheld and coming out sideways kind of family. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, um, So anger, and then there's a second emotion, sadness, grief, whatever you want to call it, but the the sadness emotion, a lot of people have difficulty with that because either they don't let themselves feel it deeply enough Mm -hmm. so that they can let go of it, or they feel it so much that they don't have a breath for anything else, Mm -hmm. and so a lot of people get stuck on that emotion. The third one, though, which is probably the most troublesome of all, is that underneath both anger and sadness is the emotion of fear. It's even located further down in your body. You know, most people, if you say, I'm scared, they're talking about things they can feel in their belly like uh, butterflies in the stomach, whereas sadness tends to be a little further up in the body. And most people, when they feel anger, they feel their jaws tightening or their neck tightening up or their shoulder blades tightening together. So the body intelligence of knowing that wouldn't that have been a great thing to be, to be learn? I mean, to learn in the first grade.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You could
2: teach that to a group of first graders. I know we've done it. Yeah. And so, um, but you know, the interesting thing is I got all the way through elementary school, high school, college, <laughs> up school. into graduate school before <laughs> yeah. anybody even taught me how to go you know, we say the longest journey of all is from your head to your heart, 12 inches. You know, it's, it's not very long, but some people take their whole lifetimes. And I was the same way, you know, well up into my 20s. I was a stone wall as far as any of my feelings were concerned. And it's changed my life to be able to, like I can remember actually the first time I said something to Katie, like, I feel afraid or I'm scared, something like that. It was so hard to get that out my mouth. and I just didn't have any training in doing that.
1: And also, yeah. if with the most important thing about body intelligence is how we can access it, and most of us are trained, our culture trains us to use our awareness to be critical. so when I ask somebody like i 'll ask a group, notice a body sensation, almost everybody notice what 's wrong, like a place where're they're tight or some place where it hurts so or they'll they'll have a kind of apology about themselves all the time, like, and I'm sorry, you know, I, uh, you know, I have a scratchy in my throat. I'm sorry. So the but the critical attitude prevents us from opening up to our actual body wisdom. So one of the most important things that we teach people is how to shift from criticism to wonder. And there's a very easy body intelligence hack that can, you can use, which is hmm, creating a hmm
2: Hmm.
1: through a whole out breath, not a hmm of disdain, but a
2: Hmm. hmm. A wonder hum.
1: A wonder hum, because it actually shifts you from critical brain to wonder brain, and then you can start noticing, because your genuine body wisdom doesn't yell at you. So if you find yourself yelling at yourself inside, you can know that you haven't quite located yourself in your authenticity, in your essence, but you're still operating from the way the culture wants us to be anxious, stressed, and critical because we're more manageable. They can control right. us better and we'll buy more stuff because when people are anxious, <laughs> so true. they will buy something to make themselves feel better. And then yeah. of course it doesn't last. So then that keeps the whole economy going. So your own mm. inner economy, your body intelligence really thrives on wonder and curiosity. And so I think those are what we can encourage in ourselves and each other that really makes a huge difference, has a big payoff.
0: Yeah. And it occurs to me as well that it's that same uh, wonder and that same openness to just like Like hmm, like what's what's happening right now? And really, just being an inquiry about it is also useful when your partner is coming at you with something. To stay in, you know, curiosity around it rather than going into reactivity, which is part of that hardening of of our body. So, can you do you have any experience with that? Oh, not not at all. (laughs) (laughs) I know, dumb dumb question. Tell us about your experience.
2: Everything that we talk about has been carefully kitchen tested and bedroom tested. So Yeah, uh,
0: well, I love that you refer to your relationship. I'm going to paraphrase. I've, i had the quote in front of me here that it's a living laboratory for conscious loving. Like, that's beautiful. Yeah.
2: Yeah, well, we wanted to invent something that we had never seen before because we grew up in some of those similar kind of families you probably mm-hmm. did, too, and yeah. your viewers, because we um, are... You know, if I got into describing the dysfunctions of my family, I wouldn't be talking about <laughs> anything to, else in my career. She's met them, she knows about them. Uh, but um, you know another thing I you know we talked about those three emotions on a very practical level, human beings need to get better about expressing their fear to each other because what causes problems in relationships, is people get scared, but they don't know how to communicate the fear. So they take it out by getting hurt or lashing Mm -hmm. out in anger. So they mask their fear with both sadness and anger. And that causes big problems because until people can get down Mm -hmm. to what they're really afraid of in a relationship, you don't really have a chance of getting to that kind of spacious state of intimacy that is what I really wanted. And, uh, you know, like one of... um, Uh, One of our clients said that learning to change one word changed his relationship, and that was to go from what I'm angry about to what I'm scared about. And just being able to talk about it Mm. in that more intimate a term began to solve all the sticky Mm. places between them.
1: And I wanna give you the good news of a project that we've been working on for a couple of years now on our Foundation for Conscious Living website. We have two websites, the Hendrix.com and Foundation for Conscious Living. But we have a whole program, a whole online program that assists people to identify what we call your fear signature, to be able to befriend fear, to be able to move out of fear with something uh, that I've invented called fear melters and to be able to share with others in a way that allows you to both be together while honoring your own experience. And so there are a whole bunch of resources that viewers can go to. But the big thing that I wanted to say about all of this is that The great joy of relationship, of close relationship, is being able to be fully yourself in the presence of somebody else. And I never knew that that was possible. And having that gift every day with Gay, that I have something coming up and I can just share about that with you and I can experience your presence and we can both meet that and see what wants to happen here and... And the gift of being able to expand more and more into who we are rather than having to protect, which is a fear move, um, is the big payoff for all of the different skills and practices that, that we've invented, but that also people have been using for many, many years now.
0: I, I concur. I mean, I just had a personal recent experience with that. And I've never been in a relationship where I felt safe enough to say, I'm actually afraid of this happening. And it's so liberating because I didn't realize how in all my previous relationships, I walked around with all these, like you said, Gay, these hidden fears and I I didn't want to reveal them and instead, I just reacted to them, and so, yeah, and it, it brings me back to the glue part that you guys were talking about before, so one of the things that radically transformed how I understood myself was was learning about attachment theory and what where my fears were around intimacy and what my attachment you know style as they say was and um that 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 is something that really liberated me so i want I want to talk a little bit more about uh, that glue. Cause I had, I had something come up. Well, I guess it was a few months ago. So not recently. Um, and, in speaking about that interplay of like dependence and interdependence and codependence and all of that stuff, the movie, a star is born. Uh, if you recall that movie, I they've done, this is like the third, I think, or fourth iteration of that movie. And I wrote a blog post after that movie and the blog post was called why a star is born pissed me off. And, and the reason it did is because it got to the end and it painted this picture again of one of my biggest fears, which was that she finally was flourishing and successful and beautiful and, and then lost the love of her life. And it's this story that I felt personally painted with and a lot of my clients as well with this, you can either have relationship or you can have success. And as a woman in particular, you can't have both. And I, I, was, I was really triggered by that ending, and mostly because that's a story I've had going on in my head, and a fear that I've had that if I shine, if I'm successful, then what will happen to my relationship? So I wonder if you could speak a little bit more to that, because I think that has to do with the glue a little bit.
1: Yes, indeed. In fact, when we came in uh, to our relationship, gay was already published author, very successful. And it took me a couple of years to figure out that I was relating to him in the same way that I related to my older brother, who was about the same uh, amount of years older than me than gay is, and was always called in my family number one.
2: The golden boy. The
1: golden boy. Mm -hmm. So that left me as number two. And I used to tell people in our seminars that I developed an Avis persona. You know, Avis, we're number two, we try harder. And that was exactly my (laughs) orientation in the world. I was just a hard worker and I can help, you know, I can be the helper, but... I uh, really can't shine and one of the one of the the huge discoveries was to find that gay actually supported my being my full self and has without exception through all of our lives and has challenged me to you know come on show up uh, you know, don't ask me to get smaller, you get bigger, you get more expanded and and own your space. And that when I did that, I found out there was plenty of space for both of us. But I did go through a number of different fears that, and some of it felt generational also. So for women, if women, should, you know, we have been, and we still are, if you stand up and speak out, there's a lot of uh, punishment that comes your way. And in fact, women have been killed for for thousands of Absolutely. years of standing up. So it's not just personal. I think that every time in a relationship that a woman takes up her full space and is in partnership, it's a new opportunity for all women to say, oh, this is possible.
0: Yeah. Thank you for that. It is. It's, it, to, to, for me, it feels like new territory, because I've always done the opposite in relationships. I've, I've kind of just the whole, the cliche of losing yourself in relationships, right. And, and losing what was important to me. And it's, it's such new ground I'm treading now in my relationship, because I do have a partner who wants me to shine and, is, you know, my biggest fan and, you know, and so, but it would be easy for me to to just hide and get comfortable in our love because it's so safe and great and cozy, cozy right? and yeah. yet there's this ambition in me that wants to do more wants to you know say more and you know i do finally have a cheerleader and it's more on me to like you said mm-hmm. step into it so it's interesting yeah what a,
1: what a great problem to have
2: yeah, i know <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know I was just thinking as you were as you were talking about that that there's in in terms of body intelligence there's something very simple but very profound that each of us can do in our interactions and that is to sh- to shift our attention so that we're able to give attention to others and able to give attention to ourselves so For example, in relationship with Gay, I used to get all of my attention would be going out onto you, and I wouldn't actually be going. How am I doing? Am I breathing? Am
2: I? Yeah, that really. Oh, you know, it speaks to that same thing, Giovanna, that you were talking about with *A Star Is Born*, because the other thing that triggered me when I saw that movie, um, the one the I don't remember seeing the the Lady Gaga one. Yeah, the Lady Gaga one was she's playing out the same thing I've seen cause grief to so many women that I've seen in therapy and in couples counseling is that they try to save somebody from their destructive habits and the energy that goes into saving that person from their destructive habits, which never works by the way, <laughs> the same energy that would fuel their own creative big leaps in life. And so it's one of the most common traps that a lot of people get stuck in, but I've seen it show up more in women mm-hmm. uh, yes. in the culture anyway.
1: Well, because we get rewarded for that. We get rewarded for, you know, giving our attention to the man. Right,
0: We get the love yeah. we want, the connection, and, and yeah. or the pseudo even, because, you know, if the person's not fully present, they can't really love and connect the way we want. But there's that illusion that if I if I if I just dote and give all that I'll get in return. And I mean it speaks to our value of love and connection. Yes. And like Gay said, it's it takes away from our flourishing. Yeah.
1: Yes. And again it goes back to that balance between unity and individuation. So what you can um what you can co-create together in unity is really valuable and what you can create on your own in your own direct relationship with the world is also a gift to the relationship. Mm -hmm. So as I've developed my own creative voice, it's really contributed to what we're able to develop together. Mm -hmm. And I know that I can stand on my own two feet and I can join and that dance is itself creative. Of coming into what do we want to create together and then how can I support you in creating what you want and vice versa. So we have all of these different kinds of creativity that can develop because we're each owning our own responsibility for what we're choosing.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. And I mean, this This sums up to me what conscious relationship is. I, I teach a little workshop called Guide to Conscious Relationships. And the first thing I try to answer for people is, well, why the heck do you even want a conscious relationship? So <laughs> I'll have you guys answer that question. Like, why would people listening say, yeah, I want to do this work and have a conscious relationship? Like, what for?
2: <laughs> well, just speaking personally, there is absolutely nothing better than having a partner that I can say anything to, that I can talk about anything, you know, that's right there resonating with whatever Mm -hmm. I'm up to, whatever I'm going through, whether it's the most exalted, wonderful thing or getting bummed out about something. And so, see, I think when human beings are really mature at an emotional and spiritual level as well as a physical level... You're able to be completely in a close mm-hmm. relationship and completely in a relationship with yourself at the same time. Mm. Of yes, abandon yourself to get into the relationship or to stay mm. back so you protect yourself. To be able to be there for both things simultaneously, mm. all at once—that's good living.
1: So instead oh, of a seesaw, because so many of us live well, I can't feel good because you feel bad. So I have to kind of tone it down. So rather than the seesaw, which I've seen all over the world, this is really like an infinity loop. I give full presence to myself and I come into contact and give full presence to the relationship. And that fuels not only our own individual creativity, our co-creativity, but it ripples out wherever we show up. There's this, people can feel it and uh, they may not know what it is, but that's what it is, is that we're we're fully owning the presence and connection and then the creativity that wants to come out of that.
0: Yeah. Beautifully, beautifully said. And and we're not bouncing around with our reactions and our, stuff and oh just beautiful well my intention for this interview was uh to not just come in as an interviewer but really to come in as a student which is probably my most proudest title that I own as student and I just want to thank you so much for being here it is an absolute honor and pleasure to have had you on I could I literally could speak to you for another three hours but uh, (laughs) you know I know we have to keep it short for the audience but maybe uh maybe again and I'm I know I'll see you in Ohio one day I know that I'll be there because I just absolutely adore you both
1: thank you from my heart for being here thank you so much it's been a great pleasure and I love that you're a lifelong student because I think that is the attitude that's going to make your life successful
2: all right many blessings to you nice talking to you
1: yes thank you